Hi there, today's January 26, 2014, and this is Epicenter Bitcoin, Episode 4. On today's show, we're discussing the successful start of Taika Direct's Bitcoin acceptance. They've passed Overstock.com and are now the largest retailer to accept Bitcoin. We're also discussing rumors about Google toying with Bitcoin and all the excitement that surrounds this prospect. We're talking about an interesting blog post by Mark Andreessen, a famous entrepreneur and venture capitalist who thinks Bitcoin will be as big as personal computers and the internet. There's Bitcoin for more private peer-to-peer interactions. We're discussing the latest Bitcoin ATM news. More of those are coming every week. And there are updates on Ethereum, a revolutionary new protocol that will launch next week. If you like the work we're doing and you'd like to support the show, please go to epicenterbitcoin.com slash tips for our tipping address. Welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, a weekly podcast about the latest news and developments in the Bitcoin world. My name is Brian Fabian Crane. I'm an entrepreneur in Berlin and the founder of a Bitcoin Startup Spelling Group. And my name is Sebastien Couture. I'm a Canadian developer and user experience designer, and I'm based in Lille, France. Uh, how have you been, Sebastian? Uh, not too bad. Pretty good. And you? Yeah, good too. I'm uh, excited to be back here in our fourth episode now. Also excited. Um, how how has your uh, week been? It's pretty good. I've been been quite busy with uh, you know reading on a bunch of Bitcoin related topics, and uh, we're having our next meetup coming up on Tuesday too. So I have I'm, I'm going to give a talk there. I think about the uh, Ethereum. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about Ethereum since last week, actually, uh, and uh, really, I'm really enjoying the content that Vitalik uh, has been posting on the Ethereum blog about the decentralized autonomous corporations. I've got to read it over again. Like, I, I got to say, the articles are pretty long, but um, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, he's a fantastic writer. It's, uh, qu- it's quite amazing how many talent he. Uh how many talents he integrates in one person. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just wanted to talk about, um, well, what's coming up. Basically, well, we're going to be attending the uh, Inside Bitcoin Berlin conference. And so we'll be attending that conference on January 12th and 14th and 13th, right? Is that it? 12th to the 13th? I think so, yeah. I think yeah. it's a Wednesday, Thursday yeah, so we'll be attending yeah. that conference and hopefully uh, doing some interviews and interviewing uh, some of the speakers there. We've got to get in touch with those people and um, also recording some conferences. I'm like, I'm really excited about this because, well, for one, I've never been to Berlin. Two, I'm getting to go to our conference. And three, well, we get to meet because we, uh, for those of you who don't know, well, Brian and I have never met yet. So, Yeah, indeed. That will be very exciting. Yeah, it will be tons of fun here, I'm sure. <clears throat> So I'm I'm leaving on the 11th. I'm arriving on the night of the 11th. I think you've got your meetup that night. Yeah, we're doing a meetup just before the conference. I think that's going to be exciting too because uh, be I think we'll have a lot of people from outside probably to come to the conference and are there the evening before. So I'm very excited about that too. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm landing around 8.30 at night, I think. So I don't think I'll be there for the meetup, but at least we'll be able to have drinks afterwards. Yeah, well, we tend to go pretty long, but yeah, you probably missed the Hawks, but yeah, then afterwards the strings, so that would be great. All right. And uh, of course, if you're at the conference, you know, please get in touch and we can meet up. So it would be great to meet some listeners too. So maybe we'll uh, start the topics. We've got, well, it's been a slow news week. 
there's there hasn't been very many stories, but there's some interesting stories. Uh, a lot of stories in um, Bitcoin acceptance this week. Not so much regulatory. This, this week is is I, I guess I, I would characterize it as a positive week for Bitcoin because we've get, been getting a lot of uh, visibility in uh, large retail stores and online uh, presence as well. So let's get into it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think it's actually interesting in general that we've seen so much positive news on Bitcoin recently. But then if you look at the Bitcoin price, for example, it, nothing's happened there. It's very interesting how these two seem to be quite disconnected at times. Well, it's time to buy. Indeed, <laughs> Take yes. that opportunity. Okay, so our first topic is uh, Tiger Direct. I mean, I'm sure anyone who's following Bitcoin has heard about this. Uh, Tiger Direct is an American e-commerce site. I think they have physical stores as well, and they sell electronics, so computers, uh, consumer electronics, things like that. And uh, they've just started accepting Bitcoin on Thursday. And they're now the largest company to accept Bitcoin. They're about twice as big as Overstock. So they have uh, 2 billion in annual sales, 3,000 plus employees, uh, a Fortune 100 company. So one of the 100 biggest U.S. companies, I think. Um, And they're working with BitPay. So it's interesting, too, that we see some real competition here between Coinbase and BitPay. I think they're both trying to sign up the, the major merchants now. And this is something that had been ex- expected for a while. I think a lot of people in the Bitcoin community have been, you know, are customers of Tiger Direct and they've been kind of encouraging them to start accepting Bitcoin. And now they've finally done it. And it's been a huge success. In the first 17 hours, they did 250,000 in revenues. Do so you have any I idea just, of how much, what, what portion of their revenue that is for a day? Yeah, I, I did calculate that. So if you take their annual revenues, this works out to about uh, 6% during, during those seven hour, 17 hours. Oh, God. Now, of course, that's not going to continue at that level. Right. But... Still very substantial. And then just if you think on the, the difference in the payment processing fees they're paying on that, it makes a, a big difference. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is amazing. And, of course, this is extremely positive because on the one hand, now you can buy so much more with Bitcoin. But I think what's really the major positive uh, news here is that we've had now with Overstock and with Tiger Direct. Uh, two big merchants accepting Bitcoin and they've had really positive results. Of course, that gives a lot of incentive for other merchants too to say, okay, we're going to do this as well because it's so easy to do. And if, you know, even if we have a moderate success with it, you know, because of the lower payment fees, this can make a lot of sense, especially for merchants that are in low margin business. So, like you know, Tiger Direct I mean, and yeah, like generally speaking. E-com- Merchant the yeah, like, technology, yeah, exactly. E-commerce sites, but also, I mean, it, it in general, retail. You know, I think a, a lot of that is margins of you know two percent or four percent and yeah, things like that. Tech. I mean, I, I used to work in in tech sales, and I mean, margins are just scraps. <laughs> this is why they, I mean, this is why when you walk into a Best Buy, they try to sell you every, except every, every possible accessory next, you know, with your purchase, because that's where they're making their margins. Right. So, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, you're man. right. This this is huge for for tech retailers. Yeah, so there's actually another company called New Egg, which is very similar, and uh, they I think they're also rumored to be about to start accepting Bitcoin. They've, they're kind of in the same boat for for a long time. People were always wondering, is it going to be New Egg first or Tiger Direct first? And both companies were hinting that they're thinking about accepting Bitcoin. And now Tiger Direct first, and it's such a success, and you know all these. Uh, Bitcoin users now uh, went to buy from Dagger Direct. So I think this gives New Egg, of course, this really strong incentive to do right. it as well. I don't think they have much of a choice now than to accept it. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, exactly. If only so as this is, a competitive. This is so interesting. Now we have this kind of switching dynamic where there's actually starts to be a strong incentive for merchants to, uh, to start accepting Bitcoin. And I honestly did not expect that. This is taking me by surprise. I thought that merchant acceptance and the kind of viability of Bitcoin as a payment system would just take much longer than it seems to be taking. I mean, at least if this continues, then yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I will be kind of proven wrong because I, I thought this was going to take more, a longer time. Yeah, I think this was during our predictions episode where I was saying this is going to happen real quick. And you're saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know about 2014, maybe 2015. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I it's been a month and already we've happen, seen so many but, merchants come into this, uh, to this space. So. Of course, we still have the issue that, right? I mean, now we have this influx of Bitcoin users that already have Bitcoin, uh, but you know, there's not that many of them. Right, of course. So this novelty will wear off, and at some point, you know, if there's a Tiger Direct already, if New Egg now follows, I don't think they will see the same kind of sale search. So I think at some point the incentives are going to decrease a bit, and then... What we really need is a larger Bitcoin adoption, more people to own Bitcoin, to buy Bitcoin. What we might need is um, integration of bank accounts with Bitcoin. So basically, Absolutely. you could have like a Bitcoin paying card. I think some people are actually working on that. So you have like, let's say, a Bitcoin payment card. And, you know, let's say uh, Tiger Direct would say you get 2% off if you pay with Bitcoin. And then you pay with your Bitcoin payment card. And kind of in real time, your bank would take the corresponding amount of uh, dollars by Bitcoins. You know, you basically sent the Bitcoins then to Tiger Direct or, you know, whoever that merchant is. So that way, you know, you wouldn't have the uh, volatility problem and uh, you could basically use Bitcoin as a payment system. And you wouldn't have these issues that, you know, first you have to go to Coinbase or local Bitcoins or something to buy the Bitcoins. But you can kind of just use that advantage, the efficiency advantage. So this is the first time I've heard of this card system you're talking about. What kind of card are we talking about here? Like a, a credit card? This I don't think this exists yet, right. but it's just such an obvious thing. I mean, I, people will do this. Basically, it's the same thing that BitPay is doing on the merchant side, you could do the same thing on the consumer side, no? So that, you know, just the other side, instead of like them selling your Bitcoins for uh, for dollars, they would basically buy you, they would buy you Bitcoins with the dollars. So that's, you know, that's that would be fantastic, no? Because you could have really cheap transactions and... It would be great. I mean, of course, now the incentives may not be there, but let's say merchants start giving discounts for you paying with Bitcoin. And for a company like Coinbase, this would be pretty simple to do. 
because they already have their bank account integration. So I, I think this is going to happen. And this would lead to obviously more adoption. I mean, if, if we yeah, have these systems in place, which easier. make it much easier for you to purchase with Bitcoin, and plus you've got an incentive to do so. Yeah, yeah. No, this is. I think this is going to happen, and it's, it will be very important because then you don't have to. You know, then you won't be restricted just to the people who already own Bitcoin and now are in a position where they say, okay. I have a whole bunch of my money in Bitcoin. I need to buy a new computer. Why don't I use my Bitcoins? Because that's just a very, very small segment. And that's not going to scale. Now, just back to this Tiger Direct story. I I think that Tiger Direct accepting Bitcoin and possibly now Newegg maybe accepting Bitcoin soon because of the Tiger Direct move. I think we're going to start seeing other tech retailers get into this space like I, I wouldn't be surprised if within 2014 like we start seeing companies like best buy getting in also uh, accepting bitcoin maybe online at first but uh, also in their stores if if the yeah. large if their larger competitors are are accepting it and people are seeing them i guess like you say you know that incentive is going to go down it's not like a tiger direct's going to be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars in revenue per day yeah. on bitcoin but um it does play on the image or the perception that people have towards that brand, you know, they're innovative. They're they're getting into this innovative payment system. They share my values. That I'm going to go buy t- through Tiger Direct because I can buy with my bitcoins rather than Best Buy, uh, yeah, or, or any other absolutely. merchant. So I think that yeah. they're, they're going to have an incentive, if not because they need to make that revenue, but also as a uh, as a branding. Yeah, thing. and the barrier to entry is so low. You know, all you oh, do yeah. is. You know, you just put, it's easier than, it's basically you know, the, the kind of work to accept PayPal, you know, it's a similar thing. So it's extremely easy. Right. I mean, and for, for online, for now, I mean, I think that if. For online, yes. Yeah, Best Buy wants in to put in Bitcoin different. payments in their stores, that'll be something different. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to mention too is, it's kind of funny because they, um, Tiger Direct had this big banner on the front page that, you know, now we're accepting Bitcoin and you can buy these graphic cards to mine Bitcoin now. Yeah, <laughs> Tiger Direct is, of course, a bit ironic because uh, mining Bitcoins with graphic cards is a, you know, a terrible, terribly unprofitable endeavor and, uh, you know, not to be recommended. But are, however, they be selling Butterfly Labs mining hardware through their website. That's what it says. Yeah. So they have uh, says it's coming soon. And uh, of course, that will be a huge success for Butterfly Labs. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit skeptical of that for a number of reasons. I mean, I think Butterfly Labs, of course, has a very a bad reputation because they've continually not delivered on their promises. So I wouldn't want to buy anything from that company. Um, but more importantly, it just seems that, you know, Bitcoin mining is, is not really so much a consumer thing anymore. And uh, while it might be desirable if a lot of different people buy, you know, mining equipment just to make the mining power more decentralized, I don't know if it's actually a good decision for individuals. You know, I mean, I personally wouldn't want to buy that. Yeah, because we've obviously seen mining move to the cloud and to larger scale operations since difficulty has been going up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, maybe but but maybe, more- maybe Butterfly Labs will be getting into uh, script ASIC chips this year, so perhaps uh, they'll be getting into this space. As, I mean, most certainly we'll be getting into this space as well, and maybe we'll be seeing that hardware come in where that hardware is still, where mining script can still be uh, profitable for, uh, for regular yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, I looked into 
this script mining hardware that's coming up. And if you if you do the calculations, this is just not, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Because the, the issue with script is that it doesn't scale as well. So you can make uh, specialized hardware, but it's more expensive to do than with Bitcoin or with the ASIC, Bitcoin ASIC miners. Um, and it, the efficiency advantage is not as much higher. So basically with these uh, script miners that you can buy, there was recently an announcement from some British Indian company where you could pre-order and you would be getting it in uh, sometime in the summer. Uh, this just doesn't make any sense because you could buy uh, just graphic cards now and you would get, you know, maybe half as much mining power for the money. But of course, if you look at the difficulty increase, that's way better than waiting for six months uh, to buy this script mining hardware. So I think the people who bought this just didn't actually sit down and put some numbers in to calculate if this makes any sense. Do you think that maybe script mining is um, is more of a uh, a bet on speculation that those currencies' values will increase? Yeah, but that doesn't even make any sense, right? Yeah. Because I mean, if if you if you can buy, let's say you can buy a uh, thousand Litecoins for a certain amount of dollars, and and you know, then really the question is, if you instead invest this into mining hardware, are you able to mine more Litecoins? Yeah, but and, we're not only you know, talking about mine, Litecoins, we're talking about Dogecoins and Featherscript yeah, and Feathercoins. Yeah, sure. But what I mean is the comparison then you have to make, you know, if, if you only make money if the currency increases in value, you have to also compare it, well, how does your profit compare to just buying the currency outright? Because see, obviously yeah. that will also do better if the price increases. But yeah, it will be interesting and... In any case, it's certainly great news that uh, Tiger Direct is doing this move, and it seems there is really um, something happening with merchant adoption now, and it's happening very, very rapidly. Yeah, well, we've seen a lot of merchants accept this week. Uh, we'll be talking about that a bit more at the end of the show, but there, there seems to be indication that Google might be also accepting Bitcoin. So what happened is that this guy named Gerard Malik decided he he would contact some of the large some some large corporations to see what their stance on bitcoin was you know so he says all right so i'm going to email these companies and see what they say and so he he emails high up execs at apple amazon google and obviously re- receives no no answer so uh he decides that he's going to persist and he sends an email to Vic Gendotra who is a google vice president and he gets back to him within a few minutes and says, we're basically, he says, we're looking into it, right? So he answers and says, uh, we're paying close attention to this issue within you know, basically a few minutes after he sends the email. And he copies uh, Sridhar Ramaswamy. Am I pronouncing that right? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> who is a vice president of ads and commerce at Google, who gets back to him and says uh, that you know also they're paying close attention to this issue and they're looking into how they can introduce they can uh, integrate uh, payments and that they'll they'll be in touch with him as soon as they know more and so he cc's another google staffer and this all happens within 20 minutes right so so this guy uh, Gerard Malik goes on reddit and and starts a reddit post and uh, and so the google staffer who was in 
who was copied was uh, vice president of payments at Google. And he gets back to him and says, would you like to moderate a discussion, uh, a survey on how Google could integrate Bitcoin? Like, what can we do for customers? And so they started a Google moderator post that has since gotten over 1,300, almost 1,400 suggestions, last I checked. And so then Google reacts officially by kind of backtracking on the issue and saying that, so as we continue to work on Google Wallet, we're grateful for a very wide range of suggestions. While we're keen on actively engaging with wallet users to help inform and shape the product, there's no change in our position. We currently have no plans regarding Bitcoin. So I think this was just kind of like the VP's answering his email and not consulting PR and, and Google PR comes in and says, okay, so maybe we, maybe we need to rephrase this in a more official kind of way. But I think this is a pretty good indication that Google is seriously considering Bitcoin. I mean, they, they got back to yeah. on, on, on the dime. I mean, of course they're thinking about Bitcoin, right? Right. But the question is, in what, what would they do with it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was very interesting. I mean, to be quite honest, if you look at this merchant adoption we're seeing now, perhaps it's not that absurd to think that Google would uh, start accepting Bitcoin for, I don't know, perhaps, you know, in Google Play and Android or for some other of their services. Yeah, I, th- I think that we might see them rolling it out in some as a test, maybe first to see how how it can be used, maybe like for AdSense payments. I think that rolling it out for Google Play, uh, at least worldwide, w- would be kind of risky because there's there there's such there there's a lot of regulatory risks in certain places. Maybe they would roll it out first in the U.S. Uh, or certain yeah, European that's countries. possible. Yeah. But like I said, th- th- this is pretty good indication that they're looking at it seriously uh and I, I i think that the fact that this story has gotten so much traction that they've gotten so much response in this google moderator post um will kind of push them even more to to make a move on on accepting bitcoin yeah i mean, no, I mean google, google's been historically a bit more friendly to bitcoin than others of course they're the one of the only uh, mobile os's to accept bitcoin wallets in their store and Mike Hearn works at Google, so I don't know how 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 he uh, what kind of influence he might have. But uh, Mike Hearn, who we spoke about last week, who was one of the core developers on the Bitcoin project, works at Google. So I don't know. I, th- I think this is positive, and it's probable that we might see some sort of Bitcoin integration within the next year. What do you think? Yeah, I I don't know, but it's it's in, it's exciting to see, and um, certainly. It, Certainly, you know, watching that and it, I think I would see Google try this out before Apple. That's certainly correct. Um, you know, because Apple tends to be much more conservative, less experimental and much more kind of protective of their environment, their ecosystem. But so, yeah, this is, of course, very exciting and let's hope it happens. I mean, I think I think that we will start seeing something from Google within the next year. It, it would be interesting to see how they would integrate it with Google Wallet. I mean, would you use your Bitcoin to purchase wallet credit, or could you integrate a Bitcoin wallet directly into your Google Wallet so that it would pull directly? I have no idea because I, I, I personally I don't use. I, I have an iPhone, so I'm 
I'm not I'm not familiar with Google Wallet really. Okay. So Google Wallet is I guess it it's sort of like PayPal where you have a credit card which is which is attached to this account and you can use Google Wallet to of course purchase uh, applications uh, from the Google Play Store. I think you can also use Google Wallet to purchase things from different Google properties. And you can use it, obviously, to purchase um, additional space on your Gmail or Google Docs. And you can also use Google Wallet to integrate into your e-commerce site to accept payments, much like PayPal. If Bitcoin was to be integrated with Google Wallet, there there's two possibilities. Like Either you can buy Bitcoin with Google Wallet, or either you can use Bitcoin to purchase things with Google Wallet. So it's kind of an in, in or out. Uh, so I, I guess the most probable scenario is that you can use Bitcoin to buy Google Wallet credit. So for yeah. example, you say, I want to yeah. I want to buy $1,000 worth of credit. So I pay with a Bitcoin and then I can, I, I have $1,000 worth of credit on my Google Wallet account and I can then buy apps or whatever. The other, I think more interesting thing would be the other way around where you can use Google Wallet to buy Bitcoin. Of course, that, that, still, that sounds unlikely to yeah, me. Yeah, that sounds unlikely because we're using credit card and we know that's a problem. So And, and just like getting, I don't think Google's going to get into this kind of thing, you know, like yeah. when they're actually acting as a kind of exchange. Uh, but of course they could use something like BitPay as a payment processor. Yeah. So you could basically, yeah, exactly by uh, Google credits. And the other, I think the other place where this could be used is for app merchants. So maybe as an app merchant, you can get paid in Bitcoin. Unlikely, yeah, but... Certainly possible. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't think that's very likely, but... At least in the next, let's say, six months. Yeah. But uh, there, there's one more uh, thing, sorry, we can mention in terms of uh, kind of like widespread merchant uh, acceptance. And uh, the CEO of Airbnb, uh, his name is Brian Chesky. On Twitter, he asked, you know, should Airbnb accept Bitcoin? That, of course, would be very exciting. And I, I see a good chance of that happening for a number of reasons. Uh, number one is there is a, a Airbnb competitor, Nine Flats, that already accepts Bitcoin. I've actually, I was in Barcelona last year, and uh, we rented our apartment through Nine Flats and paid with Bitcoin. It's kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah. And another important factor, I guess, is that uh, Andreessen Horowitz. We're going to talk a bit about them later. Uh, they're one of the lead investors in Airbnb. And of course, they also they they also led the last financing round for Coinbase, and they seem to be very bullish on on Bitcoin. Yeah. And I also saw one of the Twitter responses was also from Mark Andreessen. He said, "Yes, do it." Of course, if the you know the the people who own a significant share of your company kind of support it in the same way, that's a strong argument. And I think for Airbnb, it makes a ton of sense. And it would be fairly straightforward, really not much different from a Tiger Direct or a company like that. It might actually, for them, it might make even more sense because they have uh, customers all over the world. And I mean, I presume they have a significant payment processing costs. You know, if, if someone pays in the US and, and purchases, an, uh, you know, rents an apartment in, I don't know, Thailand, and now somehow, of course, they have to 
a pay that person in Thailand, and that's not going to be that cheap. Even if they have, of course, a good infrastructure and uh, uh, good deals with banks, etc. So I think for them, it's a, it's a very strong incentive to do that. And I guess, so I, I'm pretty hopeful there, actually. Yeah, and, and for, for the for the people who are renting their apartments out, it's another. I mean, if we can incentivize them to to be paid in Bitcoin, that also reduces the the fees for for Airbnb, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they let's just think about this, right? So if if you rented an apartment with Airbnb, you know, let's say you're American, you rent an apartment in Thailand, and Airbnb asks you, do you want to pay with Bitcoin? Airbnb asks also the apartment owner, do you want to receive Bitcoin? And, you know, both sides say yes. I mean, their payment across the costs are basically zero now. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that will make a huge difference in terms of profitability on a, on a trade, on a deal like that. So, yeah, I think they have a very, very strong incentives to do that. Maybe we should uh, talk about this Mark Andreessen post. Yeah, so... Uh, as I mentioned now, right, so Mark Andreessen is, uh, of course, one of the founders of Andreessen Horowitz, and Andreessen Horowitz is a, a major venture capital firm. I mean, uh, one of the very leading uh, companies. Mark Andreessen is also the developer of Mosaic originally, which was the, like the first popular web browser. And then... Oh, really? Is Nets that him? Yeah, yeah. And then oh, Netscape. Okay. He was one of the founders of Netscape. So he's a, you know, kind of a legendary entrepreneur and now venture capitalist. And they've invested with Andreessen Horowitz in all kinds of massive com like tech startups like uh, Facebook, Twitter, Skype, um, you know, and now uh, Coinbase as well. And he's written a very good post on why Bitcoin matters. And it's, I highly recommend... Uh, people to read that. I mean, you can just Google why Bitcoin matters. I think it will come up. And uh, he mentions a few things. Just just so uh, our listeners know, it was on the New York Times, right? Well, it was in the New York Times, but it's also on their blog. So Jason oh, okay. Horowitz has a blog. Uh, so I think their website is a16z.com. And then if you click on... Uh, well, it's on the front page there at the moment. So it's like if you scroll down there, they have like a blog feed from the different um, partners and uh, I guess people work there. So uh, it's it's on there as well. Um, so let's just briefly talk about what the points he mentions and then we can, we can discuss some things about that article. Um, so Mark Andreessen compares Bitcoin to uh, some, you know, fundamental kind of technological breakthroughs. So in particular, he compares it to uh, the invention of computers in 1975, so the personal computer, and then the internet in 1993. So he kind of puts it on the same level as this really fundamental technological breakthrough that's going to kind of revolutionize the world. Um, so really the invention there is, is that Bitcoin allows you to establish trust between unrelated parties over an untrusted network. This is basically what Bitcoin 
establishes and makes possible. And of course, one of the consequences is that you have this kind of form of digital cash, which wasn't possible before, because before you always needed to either trust each other or you need to be related somehow, or the network needed to be trusted. But, you know, something had to be in between that facilitated that transaction. Now you don't need that. So he points out, you know, one of the, the advantages, of course, is first of all, that this is possible at all. Second of all, that this is possible very, very cheaply and globally. Then he also talks about the value of Bitcoin. And he argues that the value of Bitcoin is based on two things. Uh, the first one is Bitcoin's use as a payment system and the velocity of Bitcoin. So maybe I can uh, briefly explain that. So let's say you have uh, $200 billion in sales, Bitcoin sales per year. Now, if you have a velocity of uh, one, that means each Bitcoin is spent once per year. So in a sense, to to realize $200 billion worth of sales, you would need... um, you know, $200 billion worth of Bitcoins if you spent them once. Now, if you spent them at 10 times, you would only need $20 billion worth of Bitcoin. Uh, so basically, the faster the velocity is, the smaller the total value of the Bitcoins can be to satisfy a certain transaction volume. Uh, so, so this is one factor, he argues. And the second factor that drives the price is the expectation people have about uh, Bitcoin's future as a payment system. So basically, on the one hand, kind of the current uh, utility of Bitcoin in terms of like how much transactions does it do and what's the velocity. And second, the expectation of people have about the future. So they might buy, uh, buy uh, Bitcoins now because they expect that's going to be a big utility in the future. I actually disagree with that argument he makes. Or, or let's let's say it like this. I think there's one big part he's missing here, which is Bitcoin's function as a store of value. Uh, so I, it's interesting because I see venture capitalists and people kind of from the technology startup world just ignore this function again and again. And I don't quite understand why that is. I guess it doesn't make as much of a, a product because it's more this abstract function. But of course, Bitcoin has a lot of value just in terms of something where you can keep uh, your asset, you know, your your wealth. So, and it, it's very secure in the sense that it can't be seized. So I think that's actually a major factor in terms of price as well, apart from the payment system aspect. But he's making a good point. He also talks about that volatility is not an issue. Now, this comes kind of back to what I mentioned before, you know, where you could have immediate conversion on both sides. So he also mentions that, you know, volatility is not an issue for merchant acceptance and he doesn't think it's a problem. And I completely agree with that. I think that's something that mainstream media uh, keeps missing, that they they focus on this volatility thing, which really isn't a big problem, especially not in the medium term. Not for... I mean, it, it, it is if you're storing it, but not as a, if you're using it as a payment system and, yeah, and there's, I there's mean, immediate conversion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does cause, of course, some issues if you use it as a payment system. So you do have to make some additional, let's say, hedging or you have to immediately trade it or you have to take some risk, etc. But these are all 
you know, they're manageable problems. And if you look at a lot of, uh, for example, economists writing about Bitcoin, they would be like, it doesn't work as a currency because it's too volatile. And that's just not true. I find it astonishing just how uninformed and kind of ignorant a lot of things are that economists write about Bitcoin. It, it really amazes me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an economist by background and uh, it's just, uh, I don't get why these people just don't get it. Uh, it's, it's astonishing, really. I mean, if, if you read about like people like Paul Krugman write about Bitcoin, it's, you know, really, you, you quite wonder about their uh, intelligence sometimes. He, uh, Mark Andreessen makes some other interesting points. Uh, perhaps this is something we could discuss too. So he argues that a Bitcoin alternative will have it very difficult now because uh, Bitcoin already has such a network effect. Uh, I wonder, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true, Sebastian? What he what he says, so this is what he says. He says that the, the and, and this is what has been said by other people as well, is now that Bitcoin is established, it's going to be very difficult to dislodge it uh, as the leading cryptocurrency. And the only way that, that could happen is if somebody else comes along with a clear advantage. If, if another currency comes along, which outweighs all of Bitcoin's advantages, uh, obviously, I mean, it's difficult to think about this, uh, to actually think of what could be more advantages, but but we never know. I mean, we, we, something, something else could come along tomorrow and the perceived advantage would be so much higher that Bitcoin would just disappear. Uh, so the, the four sided, so I agree with this. Um, so uh, maybe let me weigh in briefly here. Yeah. So I, I've been wondering about that too. And I, I honestly don't know the answer. I don't know how this will turn out, but I think one uh, factor to consider uh, that's important is that the whole technical infrastructure that's built for Bitcoin, let's say Bitcoin payment uh, acceptance, you know, the exchanges, all that all those things that are built to kind of enable the Bitcoin network, you know, it's no problem whatsoever to switch that to another altcoin. So it's not like there's so much lock in there. So I, I'm, I don't know if it's going to be like that. If we will see Bitcoin as the kind of prevailing and only major altcoin or currency, or if, if we may not have a more of a kind of an open fluid ecosystem because in the end also technically I think we will see in the future perhaps the company like BitPay for example they might say we accept any altcoin or any coin because if they can trade it for US dollars and of course you can maybe it's not so easy at the moment but I think it will be quite easy to do this then why not there's no problem for them yeah but what will be so the incentive for I can, if you go back to the to the basics of this problem, what would be the incentive for a consumer or just regular person to buy these other altcoins where bitcoins are being uh, accepted at all major merchants and bitcoins are attached to their bank account and uh, they're getting paid in bitcoin? That so that, yeah. that that falls into the network effect, right? So so what he says in his post is that bitcoin has a four sided network effect. Consumers who pay with Bitcoin, merchants who accept it, miners who verify the transactions, and developers and entrepreneurs who stimulate the Bitcoin ecosystem by adding value to it and creating new services around it. 
Yeah, but let, let's say now BitPay says, because, you know, a lot of these companies, I mean, basically all these merchants use uh, payment processors to accept Bitcoin. And now let's say uh, BitPay says to uh, Tiger Direct, well, how about you can accept any altcoin, any currency? It doesn't, you know, we'll still credit you US dollars the next day. So, so they might say, okay, sure. You know, if there's some demand for it, why not? And uh, for BitPay, this is a simple problem because they can just simply trade it on uh, some altcoin exchange and then maybe they have to trade Bitcoin first and uh, and then convert it to US dollars. But let's say maybe they charge a half a percent more or something like that for other currencies. So this is very simple and you don't have to do much investment. You know, if there's a demand there, why not? And I, I know there are already, I think, in Canada, there's a company called CoinKite. They're doing like point of sale systems and uh, they, they're doing actually some type of Bitcoin payment card. And uh, they are also integrating Litecoin, I think. And there's a company called GoCoin. I think it's called GoCoin. They're also a payment processor. Uh, they're also integrating Litecoin. So I don't know. I mean, of course, Bitcoin has a big advantage. Yeah, and but, I agree that it, it would be easy because of this infrastructure to add Litecoins to payment systems. But I think it would be more of a long tail kind of thing where uh, let's it's easy. So 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 they, so it goes something like this. So it's easy to add all these other light these other altcoins to the payment system. Let's do it because we're going to get a few people coming in, and it's you know the the investment is not that significant. But I think that Bitcoin would account for so much more transactions, so so many, so many more transactions than all these Litecoins put together because it has such an advantage, has such a foothold. What I think what he's talking about, though, is Bitcoin being dislodged as the major platform where all these other altcoins are revolving around. And that for that to happen, and this is what other people have been saying also, is that another coin would have to come in with such an advantage like, I don't know, for example, being able to be traded without electricity. Say tomorrow there's another coin that comes in and that coin can be traded without the use of electricity. I don't know how that would work. But that, that could be perceived as a major advantage where we wouldn't, we wouldn't need electricity. So then, therefore, uh, that's a major advantage. So Bitcoin would, dis- would slowly disappear as this new coin would take over. Yeah, I think this actually brings up an uh, interesting point, you know, because one of the reasons why Bitcoin is valuable now is that it's perceived as scarce. You know, people know there's a limited amount of Bitcoin. It's increasing at a, you know, kind of a predefined rate and there will never be more than 21 million. So people think, okay, Bitcoin is going to be big. So if I own some Bitcoin, they're going to be worth a lot. And that's because, you know, there's a limited amount. And if there's a huge demand, the price has to increase. But you know, what makes that scarcity? What about if you have all kinds of other uh, currencies too? And so this is very interesting because of course the scarcity is very much a, a, an issue of perception as well. And I don't know how this will turn out. I think it will be very interesting to see. But of course, you know, like let's say as a consumer, if you can use, let's say a few years down the line, two years down the line, you can pay with Doke coin or whatever other coin in lots of places as well because payment process have integrated that and you know it's simple. Or maybe even if not, you could have services that would 
automatically trade your currency for Bitcoin and then you could pay with that or something like that. You know, you could have easily, you could have services that make it so it's practically not a disadvantage to own that coin. And then, you know, why not buy some other coin? Perhaps you have more of an upside potential. I mean, more volatility to, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I, I don't think we have the answer, but we're already seeing so many altcoins and you can trade them all to move kind of seamlessly with Bitcoin. And it will be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, unfortunately, we lost coin. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was the most promising of all altcoins. Yeah, de definitely the one with the best looking logo. Yeah. Have you seen their website since they updated the they updated it this week when with that No, I funny haven't. Meme. What, yeah, what, yeah. what I like about his uh what what I like about his um his post is how he compares the Bitcoin revolution to uh, the introduction of personal computers and the invention of the internet in in, in the 90s. Uh, this is this is something that I use also to explain Bitcoin to people. You know, think about it as the internet in the early '90s, or only at the beginning. So. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly a very powerful analogy, you know, because mm -hmm. people can relate to that, and it makes it evokes the idea of this huge potential. And I do think Bitcoin has that. Now, whether or not Bitcoin itself will survive, like we were saying, I think that's another question, but. Uh, the, the the Byzantine general's problem that this peer-to-peer -peer decentralized network solves, the all the other applications that we can imagine now, um, that things like what color coins are doing or uh, proto shares or Ethereum, the applications that we didn't have before, and um, whatever whatever cryptocurrency achieves that is another question. But uh, one thing's for sure is these things are coming and these things are here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, should we do uh, another very important topic? Oh yeah. <laughs> so you want to you want to talk about this one? Yeah. So just uh, briefly mention it. We came across this thing. It's kind of funny. It's called Bit Cologne. So uh, cologne like uh, perfume, basically, and it's it's quite hilarious. So they they say they made this perfume and it's made for peer to peer interaction. Yeah, so they say it's an embodiment of uh, some of the main Bitcoin characteristics, such as subtle, that's in a way that's both bold and unique, light, portable, available whenever you need it, and it offers freedom to go against the grain. <laughs> when you sent me this link, uh, it's so it's bitcolon.com, I thought it was a Bitcoin meetup in Cologne, Germany. <laughs> I didn't think for a second I'd be seeing actual an actual bottle of cologne with a QR code on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a joke, but it's, yeah. it's kind of hilarious. But you can buy it. You can yeah, buy yeah, it. Yeah, you can it, buy it. It's only yeah. available in the US for now. But I was kind of surprised that they accept PayPal <laughs> and that they put, they put PayPal first and not Bitcoin. Well, there is Bitcoin at the bottom of the page. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah. Um. Yeah, let's talk about ATM stories. I mean, you have you brought up a few things that you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, so there's a couple of ATMs stories this week. Uh, so Canada, I guess, is again in the news. There's going to be a few new ATMs appearing in Canada. And so in Ottawa, Montreal and Toronto and possibly even in Calgary and Winnipeg. So this comes at a time where the government of Canada issued a statement last week saying that Bitcoins were not a legal tender. 
but I guess that doesn't really matter because they're, well, we're not considering it to be a legal tender. Yeah, so, what does that mean? Well, that means that you can't pay your taxes with it, I suppose. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think anyone was <laughs> expecting that to happen. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't read the the statement, but... Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So these ATMs, at least a few of them, are being produced by a company in Ottawa that I had never heard of called BitAccess, and they're calling them BTMs. So we had this discussion, and I think it was two episodes ago, where we're, what were we going to call these things? And they're calling it a Bitcoin teller machine. Uh, so for now, it seems like they're only like it seems it's only a one-way operation. You can't, you can only buy bitcoins. You can't uh, sell your bitcoins for fiat. You can in, you can put fiat money and, and receive bitcoins. And uh, apparently, there maybe not this version, but a future version of this machine will also accept will also support Litecoin. So for now, there are three machines that have been announced. One in Montreal at the Bitcoin Embassy, which is a nonprofit uh, that helps facilitate adoption of Bitcoin. There are also one in Ottawa uh, in a pub, Clock Tower Brew Pub in Ottawa that has apparently been installed already. And another one in Toronto at Bitcoin Decentral, which is a co-working space dedicated to the Bitcoin business. And they're run by different companies. And so these ATMs can get live rates from Bitstamps and Vertex. So Vertex is the Canadian uh, Bitcoin exchange plus a 5% fee. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, what's interesting, maybe uh, just step in briefly. Mm-hmm. So the BitAxis, I saw a post that BitAxis, so the company that makes these, uh, you know, Bitcoin ATMs or as they call it, BTMs, there was a post in Medium that they've supposedly raised $10 million dollars. Yeah, now, I looked for a confirmation of that and I couldn't find anything. So I'm not sure if this is, you know, true because it seems to be a, a, a massive story if it is true. Because, of course, the, the Bitcoin ATM manufacturers, they're, not, they're small companies so far. None of them have raised a substantial amount of money. Now, $10 million is a ton of money. So if that's true, I think we will see a lot from them. And that, that would be really major. But I don't know. If you look at their website, they have like this, this a kind of crappy-looking Squarespace website. Yeah. So I find it kind of hard to believe, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm kind of excited about the fact that Canada is leading the way in Bitcoin ATMs. I think that's probably the country that has the most now, right? I, mean, um, I think at the moment there's still just one, right? Are, are these operating in this pub? So the one already? in Montreal. It's was, already operating. It, okay. it was op- it's operational since the 24th. The one in Ottawa also has been installed, apparently, and the one in Toronto is coming soon. And so if there's one in Winnipeg Yeah, no, and then Calgary it's the most, comes, yeah. definitely. So, I, I, you know, that's kind, of, that's kind of exciting. I'd like to see one on the East Coast. So next time I go back home to New Brunswick, uh, <laughs> I could buy Bitcoin there or, or maybe transfer some money over so I don't have to pay uh, hefty bank fees. <laughs> Yeah. So this is exciting, and it and you know potentially a new, uh, obviously a new uh, a new Bitcoin um, ATM on the market with the Lamasu and Robocoin and and uh, Sky. What was it? Skyhook. Skyhook. Well, yeah. yeah. So uh, a fourth competitor on the market. Well, there's uh, there's also a company called Monero in uh, in Uruguay. They're also making Bitcoin ATMs. And then there's a company called Bitcoin ATM, 
Uh, they're in San Diego. I don't know what's going on with them, though. Uh, they they had one of the earliest prototypes. You know, they were like at the San Diego, uh, San Francisco, San Jose conference. Uh, I think they were showing one. So that's almost a year ago now, or like no nine months ago. Uh, but I I don't know what's going on. If uh, they're not operating one at least. So a bit closer to home, there's a. There's a story in Switzerland also where two Bitcoin enthusiasts uh, ordered a Lamassu machine, and while they're waiting for delivery in March, they've convinced the owners of the uh, Bratislava unit to, uh, to to loan it to them so that they can show it off in Zurich. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, I read about it. Yeah, my yeah. Uh, I, my mother sent me the article too. And the, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is cool. Do you know anybody who? Who went to the uh, to the demo? No, I don't know anybody who used it now. Okay. Uh, so apparently, I, I think over four days, they got more than ninety transactions and sold like fifteen. Bitcoin. I think it was like yeah, it was like fifteen thousand euros they did. In, yeah, and this is despite the fact that the machine only accepts euros and thus Swiss francs, and and that this display is only in Slovakian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care; it's in Slovakian. I'll buy the Bitcoin anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is cool, and I think we we're definitely seeing this kind of acceleration of the ATMs. I mean, it has to happen because we know that lots of them have been sold already, and they've shipped into many different places. And I think what's uh, slowing this down somewhat or you know what's delaying it is that people have to figure out the regulatory situation they have to get bank accounts uh, they have to get connected to exchanges all those things so those things can be tricky but uh, we will see an explosion of these ATMs in the near future I'm, I'm certain of that yeah I think there's also some some investment fund in the Czech Republic and they're planning on putting up a, a whole bunch of them in, in Czech Republic. Yeah, cool. So lots of ATMs uh, popping up all around the place. Yeah, I, I, wonder how, I wonder how how much these uh, Bitcoin teller machines cost. I you mean how, the bid access ones? Yeah, I wonder how they're positioning it in, in terms of price. I, I think it was similar to a Lamasu. Right. Like uh, around $3,000, um, $5,000. I think something in that, in that area. Um, so let's talk about Ethereum. I mean, we've covered the topic last week, and yeah. I think it's time for some updates because there's been some changes to the project. So originally, the launch date I think it was supposed to be yesterday, and it's been pushed back for a week. So now the the fundraiser is starting on next Friday. So that's the thirty first, and that's at midnight at GMT. So that's uh, London time. And they've made a few changes. So we touched briefly last week on the criticism that has been made. So the Ethereum founders, they're basically awarding themselves a substantial amount of, of that new currency they're issuing, Ether. And this has been criticized by you know, people saying, well, you know, they're kind of enriching themselves. And another criticism was that this the amount they're issuing to themselves is going to be locked for one year, but then they would receive all of it, kind of regardless of whether they actually contributed to the project or not. And uh, so they've slightly decreased how much they're getting. But more importantly, I think it's now vested over three years. So vesting means that 
they kind of get this money, but it's only released partially. So after one year, they get 40%. After two years, another 30%. After the third year, another 30%. So this is quite similar to how startups handle uh, stocks for employees or founders. Uh, they also changed uh, mining rewards slightly. Now, the consequences of this are that the inflation rate is going to be slightly lower. Of course, that makes it more attractive to invest in it as well. And what they've also changed is that if you now buy Ether at the beginning of the fundraiser, you basically get twice as many. And this goes down gradually over the course of the 60-day period. So you have more incentives to you know, kind of get in early. The team has also been revealed, uh, the, the rest of it. I mean, last week we knew uh, Vitalik Buterin, who is the Bitcoin magazine writer, and he's been involved in uh, a lot of different Bitcoin projects. He's the kind of the main guy. And now we all know, we also know that uh, Charles Hoskinson, who's the former CEO of Invictus Innovations, which is the company behind the uh, ProtoShares pictures, uh, he's part of the team now. In, so this is basically a competitor. So he switched from a uh, competitor to Ethereum to uh, this project. There's also uh, Anthony Diorio, uh, who is uh, part of this Bitcoin Alliance Canada. I think that's actually a Bitcoin Decentral, where they're putting up this uh, ATM. And uh, Mihai, I'm not sure how you pronounce that last name, Alice or something like that. He's the the founder of Bitcoin Magazine. So there, there are four people and I think there's some uh, four main founders. There's some other ones involved. And uh, I think there's going to be an official announcement tomorrow or today. I think on the 26th. So today in at the Bitcoin conference in Miami. So Vitalik's giving a talk there and I think he's going to introduce the project. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, exciting to see what's going on there. And I think it's a, it's a really cool project to watch. There's a lot of debate about it. A lot of things that I still don't understand. I've also written a blog post on um, Ethereum. It's, you know, spent quite a lot of time and it's a very detailed post going into some of the applications of it as well. And if you're interested in reading that, it's on epicenterbitcoin.com. Yeah, I, I read your post so, and uh, it, it's quite interesting how you go into, you you explain it in ways that people like me will understand. Uh, so the, you were talking yeah, about... Yeah, I mean, I've spent the... Yeah, you were talking about some of the the incentive for people to invest early. So some of the changes that they made to the way that this is going to work is that the people who invest within the first sixty days are going to be getting twice as many ether for the Bitcoin invested. Well, not not quite. So I think in the first week, if you invest in the first week, you'll get two thousand ether uh, per Bitcoin you send to their fundraising address. And then this goes down uh, gradually over the 60-day period. So okay. if at the very end you send one Bitcoin, you only get a 1,000. Um, I don't know how they decrease it, if it's like a linear decrease or every week it goes down by a certain amount. But basically you want to invest, if you do want to invest, you probably want to invest in the beginning. Although perhaps one would also want to wait for a while to, you know, see how the project develops. So if, if, if you're not sure, then it might be less risky, of course, to invest later because, you know, there's two months of more information. You can see how the 
project is developing, etc. What uh, so it, it makes sense, I think, right? So you're basically rewarding people who also take a bigger risk. What, what I find interesting and what I kind of like about this is that they seem to have readjusted their strategy and the way that they're going to be doing things based on the feedback that they've been getting. So there was a lot of criticism yeah, no, towards it because, well, they're going to be making so much, they're going to be getting rich basically off of this project. And so they've reacted to that by changing the way that it's going to work fundamentally. So I think that's, that's really good. And then, and kind of shows that, um, their, that their interests are, uh, that they have an honest way to go about this. Yeah, no, I think the changes they've made are very positive and now their incentives are really quite aligned with the project as a whole. So they're only going to be, they may still become rich with this, but it kind of depends on the success of Ethereum where, you know, the three year timeline is really a long time for in this cryptocurrency Bitcoin world we live in. So, yeah, I think there are positive changes and the team, of course, is very well known. The people are very respected in the Bitcoin community. I think they're very smart, very competent. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good project. It's very exciting to, to see. I, there's still a lot of things I don't understand. So, you know, one thing I've often wondered about is because Ethereum basically enables you to run code, uh, run scripts, on the miners hardware as long as isn't there a security risk there you know what if you write some kind of ethereum virus can you do this so i don't know i mean i've seen people raise this question in other places but i've never seen one discuss it and i personally just don't understand enough about uh, the whole thing they're doing to evaluate if this is a real risk or how much of a risk it is so there's still a lot of questions that are open, and I, I will try to figure those out. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm definitely planning to participating in the Ethereum forum as well to, to kind of really understand uh, this project. Yeah, I've been reading a bit more since last week. I I read those articles that he wrote on that uh, Vitalik Buterin wrote on, on the Ethereum blog about uh, the decentralized, autonomous corporation. So the three articles they're quite long. Uh, it took me a few days to get through them and I'm gonna have to read them again because there's a lot of things that, um, <laughs> that I didn't quite, quite get. Well, what do you think, uh, now that the rest of the team has been revealed, what kind yeah, of credibility, so, what kind of credibility do you think it gives to the project? I mean, I think this project has a lot of credibility because of the people who are involved and because, yeah, mainly for that reason, I don't know why Charles Hoskinson left Invictus. So this is a very interesting question, of course. I don't know if it was, you know, a personal conflict there was, or if he believes that there is some disadvantage to the way they go about it. I would be very interested in seeing a statement from him on this point. I've also seen the MasterCoin people have announced that they're going to write a blog post on, you know, kind of their statement and view of, uh, of what they're trying to do. Because of course, in the Ethereum paper, they're basically saying MasterCoin's not going to work. So the, the reason why they argue it's not going to work is that with Bitcoin, there's something like a simplified payment verification. So you don't have to have the entire blockchain to verify whether a payment you receive is you know, actually a valid payment. 
you just need the, the headers and then you can basically do this kind of thing. So you can have mobile wallets, you know, people that don't have the, the full, a full client right. to verify payments. That's of course is a big advantage, but the problem is because you can have transactions that are valid Bitcoin transactions, but they're not valid MasterCoin transactions because it's just to briefly restate MasterCoin is basically like a protocol layer on top of Bitcoin. So you use, uh, Bitcoin transactions that have a certain format and then a uh, master coin interprets those as master coin transactions. So let's say I send you uh, a some amount of money and I also send a very small amount to a sp- specific address that other small payment to a specific address marks it as a master coin transaction. And now the master coin uh, network understands, okay, this is a master coin transaction and it interprets in a different way from a regular Bitcoin client. But the problem with this is that now you can have a valid Bitcoin transaction that may not be a valid MasterCoin transaction. And the Bitcoin client won't know. It will just say fine because it's a fine Bitcoin transaction. So the problem with this is now, uh, at least that's what uh, Vitalik argues. It's argued in the Ethereum paper. Because of that, you can't have these light clients. Every MasterCoin client needs to have the full blockchain. And that's, of course, a problem because we already have a blockchain now with uh, more than 10 gigabytes. So if, you know, for mobile wallets, uh, mobile, this is not possible. I, I don't know what MasterCoin's uh, view is of that, whether they think this is correct, whether they think there's a, a way around. I personally, uh, it certainly makes sense to me what Vitalik's arguing, but I can't personally evaluate whether it's correct. So it would be interesting to see uh, kind of other projects response to this as well. And yeah, I think it's a very exciting to watch this and we will see a lot of a lot of interesting things coming out of it. It's a very interesting project. Uh, like I said last week, uh, I'm only getting I'm only starting to uh to read up on it and I I still have a lot of questions we we'll have to talk about off off the air. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now, I think we'll, we'll cover this again, certainly when the fundraiser starts and when there's more developments, we will we will kind of keep this updated. D- did you have anything else you want to cover about the, this uh, Ethereum? Model? No, that was that was all on Ethereum. Okay. Well, we've got a, we wanted to try this kind of new segment. Uh, this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier, um, where there's just been uh, an, an upsoar of... Bitcoin acceptances, so companies and merchants accepting Bitcoin. So we want to try this new segment where every week we're going to go over the Bitcoin acceptances. Uh, there have been quite a few this week. And of course, you know, we're talking about this from the perspective of where we are, which is in Europe. And uh, we obviously don't know of all of the new Bitcoin acceptances. Or, so if, if there are new merchants accepting Bitcoin in your area, I know, like maybe your local bakery or maybe a store in your city give us a shout on twitter and uh, let us know that someone in your community is now accepting bitcoin so who has been accepting bitcoin this week so we've got uh, fancy which is a pinterest competitor they're accepting bitcoin now in their store uh, obviously well you know porn's getting involved so naughty america also is accepting uh, bitcoin as of this week so yeah there's porn.com i think they've accept sort of big accepting bitcoin uh a few weeks ago and they've released some numbers about 
how this is affecting their revenues, which are quite stunning. So apparently after they started accepting Bitcoin, uh, their revenue increased by 50%. And now it's kind of stable at a 25% increase. So yeah, perhaps people appreciate that they don't have their porn you know, purchases on their credit card bill. Yeah. I, I don't know how it's shown there. I presume it doesn't say porn.com. <laughs> and but, uh, it, it seems like, I mean, we know that within the last few years, uh, the porn industry has lost a lot of revenue to some of these you know, alt- free alternatives and that they're making a lot less money than they used to be. But it seems like Bitcoin would have been welcome maybe 10 years ago when porn, when internet porn was at its highest. And, uh, well, this, idea of having your porn purchases and your credit card bill was a problem. Uh, so there's a, also a New York City newsstand that is now accepting Bitcoin. And what's interesting about this newsstand is that they don't accept credit cards. So they prefer the, the owner of the newsstand says that he prefers accepting Bitcoin uh, over credit cards because there's less risk and less fees. Yeah, then there's uh, two hotels in Vegas. So the one is called the Las Vegas Casino Hotel. The other one's called Golden Gate Hotel and Casino. Uh, they're only accepting it for, uh, the, I think, the hotel itself, the gift shop, and the restaurants. Not for the gambling, because I think gambling is very regulated. So they're in, at the moment, it's not clear whether they're actually allowed to accept Bitcoin for the casino. And there's the University of Cumbria. Cumbria. Cumbria, sorry. <laughs> Do you, where, where is this? <laughs> I think this is in northeast of England, kind of near Scotland, if I'm correct. Okay. And so they're accepting Bitcoin for two programs that are linked to the study of cryptocurrencies and complementary currencies. So it makes sense for them to accept it, I guess, if they're offering those programs. Yeah, absolutely. There's also the BC SBCA. So the first Bitcoin ATM having been uh, installed in uh, Vancouver, uh, I guess uh, BC merchants are getting involved as well. So they're you can buy merchandise on their online store, such as pet food and supplies. And lastly, there's Minku Design, and they're a, a boutique fashion startup based in Lagos, Nigeria, and also in Barcelona. And so they make handbags and purses and jewelry and other accessories, and so they accept Bitcoin on their online store. Yeah, it's, uh, lots, lots of places starting to accept Bitcoin. It's cool. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be trying this new segment uh, every week now. So obviously, if you if you know of places that accept Bitcoin in your area, where, wherever that may be, just send us a tweet and we'll talk about it. Okay, well, uh, I think that was it for this week. Yeah, that's it. Um, it has been a slow news week, but we still had quite a lot to talk about. Yeah, if you want to give us a tip, then, uh, you know, please support the show. We would greatly appreciate that. And uh, you can do that at uh, epicenterbitcoin.com uh, slash tips. Uh, you can also subscribe to our newsletter at epicenterbitcoin.com slash newsletter sent out every Friday. And, you know, it gives kind of the most important Bitcoin news developments and uh, kind of an analysis of them. And uh, we'd love to see you back next week. Yeah, and also we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've been our listener numbers have been going up, but we haven't received any feedback yet. So either uh, send us an email, epicenterbitcoin at gmail dot com, or uh, 
Give us a shout on Twitter, Epicenter BTC, or on Facebook, or at Epicenter Bitcoin on Facebook. So give us some feedback. You know, let us know how we can improve the show, what kind of content you'd like to hear, uh, or even if you have any questions, we can do questions and answers. Or, you know, we're working out the format. We we don't know if this is going to be like the permanent format, but um, we're looking for ideas and, and ways that we can improve for brand new at podcasting, as you, <laughs> you can probably tell. Uh, and... Uh, we, we definitely want to improve the quality of the show over the long term. So uh, let us know what you think, and, and we'll see what we can do to make uh, Epicenter Bitcoin better over the long run. Well, and, thanks so much for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.